So let me let you know that we're starting off this morning. I want to show you something very special. I know we are in a fast right now. Most of us are partaking in a 21-day fast. But this is definitely something very special. I think everyone knows what this is. This is a Happy Meal for McDonald's. How many of you love Happy Meals? Many of you. So I'm going to open this Happy Meal up. And there's, there's like chicken nuggets. I think it's five chicken nuggets or... Four chicken nuggets. Is someone not doing the fast? Not doing the fast and would like a little chicken nugget? I can't give it to someone doing the fast. All right. Oh, there's a couple of you. Do you guys sit together or something? You're all like side by side. All right, Josh. I have no sauce right there. It might be a little cold, but don't worry about it. It still tastes good. Oh, man. I have one more. One more. She had her hand up first. All right. But the Happy Meal doesn't just come with four chicken nuggets. It comes with some fries. Oh, They're not really warm and they look kind of funny, but I know you'll probably still eat them, right? You got them. You got, you'll take care of that. But now for those doing the fast... I have some apple slices. So they're trying to make these healthy. Jesus threw his hands up first. Oh! Oh! That was like a Dallas Cowboys type of thing. Snuck it. And there's always a toy. Oh, man. Oh, oh. Oh. It's like the same color of your shirt. I haven't even said anything, but it's like a magnet. It's like, are you okay? Are you? Hi, I'm Carlos. Nice to meet you. Is there something that you're looking for? This? All right. Are you? Are you okay? Give five. You want this? All right. Here you go. Give me a hug or something. Give me a hug. Yo. McDonald's, they do something very special there. <laughs> so check this out. Obviously, this is a little happy meal. Imagine if I was able to duplicate that and give you all chicken nuggets, all French fries, and all a little toy. You would be ecstatic, okay? And I think that you might remember there's a story in the Bible that's somewhat similar to this. It's a moment where there were thousands of people pretty much on the lakeside in Galilee. And to be exact, it was 5,000 men. Now, that doesn't even include the women and children. So you could only imagine how many people were there all together. And they were all there together. And how many of you know the story? What ends up happening? Jesus ends up using in the end one of the kids' happy meals that they, they were there on the lakeside. Now, back then, the happy meals were a little different. They had five little loaves of bread and two fish and the coolest toy rock you could ever imagine. You know what I mean? That toy rock was amazing what they could do with those toy rocks. So Jesus ends up getting the happy meal of back then and does a miracle. Ends up feeding over 5,000 people, probably around 8,000 people in total. And ends up giving them everything, giving them happy meals galore. And they were ecstatic. Now, you know what ended up happening? After those, like, let's say, let's say 7,500. Of course, that's a guess. Trying to think of the women and the children that were there, too, with the 5,000 men. Imagine all of them all of a sudden experiencing this, that Jesus ended up bringing happy meals for all of them, multiplying what the happy meal that that one little kid ended up having. And everyone that was there, the first thing that they wanted to do was to make Jesus king right there and then. 
to make him king. Hey, this guy is able to multiply happy meals, okay? We're going to make him king right there and then. But Jesus, he knew what they were thinking. So Jesus slipped away. And that was evening time when that happened. Jesus slipped away. All the people ended up waking up in the morning. And guess what all the people wanted when they woke up? They, no, they wanted the big breakfast. What, what was it? They wanted the big breakfast with pancakes. They wanted the English McMuffin with sausage with the hash browns on the side. So they're looking for Jesus and they end up finding Jesus on the far side of the lake. And mind you, they wanted another miracle like that to happen. They just wanted food. And when you think about it, at that moment, Jesus responds to them with this. John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miracle signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So here all of a sudden, Jesus knows they're coming just to get more food. And Jesus looks at them prima saying, hey, the buffet line is closed. This this is a Chinese buffet on Newark Avenue. It's closed. You're, you're, You're missing the point here. Here you're looking for things just to feed you or what you want out of this. But you're missing why I'm here. How come I came to save you and eternal things for you to have eternal life? You're missing it. And then Jesus ends up saying this. John chapter 6, verse 35, he says this. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me, will never be thirsty. You see, things changed really fast at that moment because all of a sudden Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You're chasing after the happy meals, the toys and the things that will make you happy. But now on the menu, it's only me. And I'm on the menu and am I the only thing that you want in your life? Jesus flipped the script on him, said, look, you're chasing after all these things because that's the things you want. But what if the only thing you had was me that you could have? Because I am the bread of life. Would you invite me into your life? Then all of a sudden, when they realize, all these people, they realize that Jesus wasn't going to make more happy meals for them. The big breakfast with the pancakes and the melted butter is not going to come out. Making you guys hungry this morning. When they realized it wasn't going to come out, and when they realized that Jesus said he was the bread of life, all of a sudden, all those people that were cheering for him, hey, let's make him king, they started walking away. They started walking away because all of a sudden they weren't getting what they wanted. When it boils down to it, in that crowd, there were a lot of fans of Jesus. A lot of fans. You know, they showed up, they spent probably a day with Jesus, maybe a day and a half, maybe two days. There were fans. In that crowd, there were also believers, people that believed that Jesus was who he said he was or that he could do those type of things. There were believers in the crowd too. But all of a sudden, they started walking away. They spent a day or two with them, with Jesus, and then they went back to their regular lives. I wonder how many Christians around the world spend that Sunday morning, that day, or maybe that day and a half during the week, 
you know, they just go for their happy meal. They, they, they show up on Sunday morning because they want something. They show up on Sunday morning because they want to see if they're going to get a toy or they're going to get those chick, spiritual chicken nuggets or French fries. They want to receive something for themselves. But once Monday comes, they go back to their regular life. They were a fan of Jesus. They were a believer Jesus when it was convenient for them. Mind you, there you have about 7,500 people there. In the end, everybody pretty much started walking away, even to the point that Jesus turned to his own 12 and saying, are you going to leave too? But in the very end, only the true disciples ended up staying. The true disciples um, stayed. Everyone else, the fans left, the believers left. But the disciples ended up staying, the true disciples. You see, fans just want what's for them. You see, disciples want to glorify God, whatever God wants. Fans just want to cheer when things are going okay. You know what I mean? When things are good and you're being blessed, things are good at school, things are good at home. You're getting that paycheck. You know, everything is good. You're a fan of Jesus. But then all of a sudden, when the curveball comes, the tragedy comes, the sickness comes, the problems come, you end up getting evicted. All of a sudden, the paycheck doesn't come. You get fired. All of a sudden, you tend not to be a fan of Jesus anymore. Yo, Jesus should have given me that happy meal. Why did Jesus not give me that happy meal today? As if Jesus told us that every single day of our lives are going to go without trouble. He never did. He said that in your life, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer that we know that he's overcome the world. So for each of us, we need to realize that are we either a fan of Jesus? And I'm not going to even throw in that fan category believers. Because I feel like there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. Of course, when you're a disciple, you are also a believer. You believe. But a lot of times people stay at the believer stage. A disciple is a whole different, different level. So the question, and something I want to bring up that's really interesting. When the 7,500 people started walking away, Jesus didn't turn and say, hey, I changed my mind. Yo, happy meal for all of you guys, including soft serve ice cream with rainbow sprinkles and gummy bears. You know what I mean? Like Jesus, Jesus didn't soften the message. Jesus didn't start offering what they wanted to try to keep the crowd. Jesus wasn't, um, he wasn't concerned about having big crowds. He wanted those that were committed. I wonder where you are today. Are you a fan or just a believer of Jesus? Or are you a disciple of Jesus? I want you to ask yourself, is Jesus enough? Not what he could give you, but who he is. Is Jesus enough for you? Because I... I know myself, when I first came to Lord in that journey, there were many times I would just turn to God to see what I could get from him. But then as you grow and you learn, you're like, no, it's not about what I could get from him. It's to know what God is doing and what I could do for him. And that's completely different. See, there's a big difference between a fan and a true disciple. And I think for us, because we're, we, you know, we, we hear disciple and we, we almost feel like anyone in, in one way or another could be a disciple now because we know God calls us to be his disciples. But back in Jesus' day, it was very, very different. You see, in Jesus' day, not everyone was disciples. And pretty much what ended up happening is the kids there, they ended up going to school, and you could say there were like three different levels of schooling. By the time they were 10 years old, 10, okay? I'm 23, you know. 
that wasn't supposed to be a joke. I don't know why you guys are laughing at me. No, no, no. Uh, 10 years old, they were able to know the entire five first books of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, by memory. The first five books of the Hebrew Bible by memory, okay? By the age of 10. Now, you might say that is almost impossible. It's hard to imagine. But in that culture, that's what they pretty much would train and invest their kids to know. So by the age of 10, they knew that. By the, pretty much by the age of 11 through 14, during that time period, these kids would know by memory the entire Hebrew Bible. By memory. And they would quiz each other and ask each other questions back and forth just to test one another to find out how well you know the Hebrew Bible. So think about that. By the age of 14, they had the entire Hebrew Bible memorized, okay? So that's the second level of schooling. Now, the best of the best out of that group, not everyone, the best out of, out of the best of those people, they would transition and they would go up to a rabbi of that time and they would go up to a rabbi and say, could I be your disciple? And then that rabbi would test them to see if they had what it takes, to see if they could really be a disciple and follow them. And of course, not all of them would make it. But you need to realize that those that became disciples back then, they would submit 150% to the authority of the rabbi. 150%. They would submit their entire life to that rabbi. And pretty much whatever that rabbi, the way they interpreted the scriptures, that was the way they would learn and choose to live by. That pretty much what meant to be a disciple back then. Even there was a saying back then where it says, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. It was a saying that you need to walk so close to your rabbi that the very dust from the ground should cover you. That's how close you are to your rabbi. As a disciple, submitted 150% to the authority of the rabbi to the teachings of the rabbi, understanding the way to live by the rabbi. And you're walking so close day in and day out, sacrificing and giving up your entire life to be a disciple. And that you would walk so closely to your rabbi that the dust of him walking would cover your shoes and what you're wearing. I wonder how close we're walking to Jesus today because Jesus is our rabbi. And for us to realize too is that those who became the disciple would follow that path. But those that didn't become disciples, those that didn't make the cut, guess what ends up happening to them? they end up going back home to learn the family trade. If the family were carpenters, they would become carpenters. If the family were fishermen, they would become fishermen. Whatever the family did, they would do that. But they wouldn't be disciples because they didn't make the cut according to the rabbi. We're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were, it didn't say they were disciples. They were fishermen. And why were they fishermen? Because they didn't make the cut. In the world's eyes, or to the rabbis of that time, they didn't have what it takes to be a disciple. Then all of a sudden, Jesus, who's a rabbi, comes along and says, starting at verse 17, come follow me, Jesus said, 
and I will send you out to fish for people. I love the fact that Jesus is straightforward. Like, hey, come follow me. The mission is to fish for people. At once, they left their nets. And do you see that? At once, say at once. They didn't hesitate at all. Because think about this. They all wanted to be disciples, but they didn't make the cut. And all of a sudden, a rabbi comes along and challenges them to follow him. At once, they dropped everything. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing the nets. Mind you, they were working. It's almost as if you're in the middle of your job. I don't know where you work. Well, I don't know if you're in a factory. I don't know if you work in an office. Imagine Jesus just walking in. You're typing. You're doing your Excel sheets or whatever you might be doing. Hopefully, you're not on Facebook. And all of a sudden, you're there, and Jesus comes into your workplace and just says, come, follow me. Like, what would you say? Jesus, wait wait a sec. I got to, like, call my father. I got to call my mom. I got to text people. I got to take a selfie with you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you would say to Jesus at that moment, but it's the same thing. It's like they dropped everything, and this was their livelihood and followed him. It says this, starting in verse 20, without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zeppity in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They left their dad in the boat. But you think the dad was sad? Dad was excited. All of a sudden, his children are being called to be disciples, to follow a rabbi. And what's exciting to hear is that these disciples and all the disciples we know that were called, they didn't make the cut. They didn't make the cut, but in Jesus' eyes, they made the cut if they were willing to follow. And I don't know about you, you might be sitting here today, and you might feel like you can't be Jesus' disciple. You might be like, well, I don't know too much about the Bible. You might say to yourself, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't really know too much about God in my life or this or that. You might come up with a thousand reasons why you might feel as though you're not good enough, maybe because of what other people have said to you throughout your life or other people in your family, people at work, or maybe things that you've said to yourself that you don't make the cut. But Jesus is calling each and every one of us to be his disciple. But it's up to us to follow. But something I to let all of us know is that to be Jesus' disciple It's not a watered-down version of what it was back in the day. It's not an artificial version of what it was back in the day. Jesus, the way he saw the relationship between the rabbi and the disciples, is the same thing as it is today. We're supposed to walk behind Jesus so closely that his spiritual dust, you could say, would cover us. We're so close to our rabbi. We're supposed to walk so closely to Jesus, we could hear what he's saying and see what he's doing and do what he would want us to do. It's not just showing up and being a fan or a believer once in a while and cheering for him and hoping that we get a little toy in a box or hoping that we get like, you know, a little chicken nugget on the side. It's completely different. And I don't know about you. I want to follow Jesus as a disciple. I don't want to settle for anything lesser of what God has for us. And I have news for all of us. You will not fulfill your destiny in God unless you are his disciple. You could be a fan of Jesus, but you won't fulfill your destiny in him. You could just be a believer of Jesus. Oh, you believe in him, but you do whatever you want Monday through Friday. You could live that way, but you won't fulfill your destiny in Jesus because he's calling us to be a disciple. And just to highlight, maybe you're saying, Carlos, you know what? You're being a little bit too tough when it comes to this. Jesus doesn't expect me to give up everything to follow him. Um, Actually, he does. 
Luke 14, 33, it says this. In the same way, this is Jesus speaking. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So you see, Jesus is not interested in the big crowds. Jesus wants the committed few. And here's like, unless you're willing to give up everything. Now I have to tell you, everything includes a lot. Guess what everything includes? Everything. Includes your boo. Includes your family. Includes your money. Includes your work. Includes your dreams. It includes your career. Includes your time. Includes every aspect of your life laying it at the foot of his of the throne and saying Jesus I will follow you I'm not going to put my dreams ahead of your dreams for my life I'm not going to put relationships over my relationship with you I'm not going to put anything over what you have for my life are you willing to give up everything Because right now in this moment, I know you're thinking about that one thing. You're like, you know what, Pastor Carlos didn't say that one thing. So I might be able to keep that one thing. I'll keep it in my pocket and uh, whatever it is, in, in in my pocket in my life. And it doesn't count because, you know, Pastor Carlos didn't say it. Maybe Jesus wasn't too clear on it in Scripture. Let me tell you. Whatever popped in your mind during that time, that's on the table too, okay? Whatever popped in your mind, okay? Everything. And then it continues. Matthew 16, verse 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That means you're not living for yourself anymore. You're living for him. Take up their cross and follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And you know what's interesting too? That all these disciples, as they were following Jesus, it wasn't just to learn from Jesus. When you would follow your rabbi, you believed in your heart that you could be just like your rabbi. Okay? So these disciples following Jesus, it wasn't just disciples and this is Jesus. No, they believed that as they follow their rabbi, that one day they could be just like their rabbi. And Jesus believed that too. Turn in Matthew 14, starting in verse 26. It says this. You know the story. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, referring to Jesus, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, replied, tell, um, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, this is a big deal because he knew that if it was his rabbi and he's telling him to come to the water, he knew he could step out and obey because he knew he could be just like his rabbi. And then Jesus said, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Read the next four words all together. Already? Walked on the water. Now, I know we always focus that Peter sunk, okay? Peter walked on the water. He walked on the water. And when you think about it, what was going through his mind at that moment? If you were on a boat, and I talked to a couple of you guys recently came up from a cruise ship and they were saying how it was rocky. Imagine you saw Jesus come out in the water and says, come out of the boat. What would you do? I bet Peter was nervous too. But all of a sudden, Peter knew that if his rabbi is doing it, he could do it too. Because he believed he could be just like his rabbi. So Peter actually steps out of the boat. He walks on water. You know, like, you know, he walks a human being outside of Jesus, walks on water. 
does this miracle. And then it says this, Peter got out of the boat, walked on water and came towards Jesus. And obviously we don't know how many steps he took, but let's say he even took three steps. Even if it's one, I'll be impressed if he would have done something like this on the water. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if it was one step, I would have been impressed. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt that you could walk on water? I'm the rabbi, and you could be just like me. If I'm walking on water, you could walk on water as well. And then, and then it says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Now, did Peter doubt who Jesus was or what he was doing? He didn't. Jesus wasn't sinking. Jesus was standing on the water the whole time. Who did Peter doubt? He doubted that he could be just like his rabbi. And Jesus turned to him and said, you have little faith. If I've told you to come, you walk on water. So here Peter is being challenged. And I wonder how many of us doubt what God could do in and through us. Maybe God hasn't called you to walk on water, but God has called you to be a part of a ministry. God has called you to go deeper in him in studies in reading the Bible. God has called you to deeper prayer life. God has called you to so many different things or to even go back to school to get a degree for something that's going to help you in the mission God has for you. But yet we doubt ourselves, even though God is looking straight in our eyes and saying, come, come. In 2019, come. You weren't following me in 2018 for some of us, he might say. Or maybe you doubted yourself in 2018, but this year in 2019, I'm asking you to come. In John 14, 12 to 14, Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. So right there, he's pretty much saying, look, if I'm your rabbi and you're my disciple, you could do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So right here, Jesus is saying that he could do amazing things through our lives. Now, I have to let you know right there. I mean, that's a power. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. There, you need to realize what we ask of him has to be according to his will, okay? Like if I go to a basketball court, be like, Jesus, I want to be able to dunk. Jesus will be like, nah, yo, that's not according to my will. You know, you're like, it's not going to happen. So we need to realize that we need to seek and walk after the rabbi, understand what he has for our lives. And as we pray in faith, without doubting him, or even doubting what he could do within us, then God could do the miraculous. So I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you a fan or are you a disciple? And in the category of fan, I'm going to put a believer. Just a believer. You know, someone that really doesn't follow God, but you believe in Jesus, but you don't really follow him. Are you a fan or just a believer? Are you a disciple of him? As we kick off 2019, the word for the year for our church is disciple. Is disciple. It's to be one, make one. Okay? Now, for all of us, we need to also realize, and I, I, it's so important because as I was praying leading up to this year, God was impressing on my heart is that we want to, he wants us to be like first century disciples, to be like a disciple back in Jesus's day, following him, willing to sacrifice everything for him. Jesus understands that the crowds won't follow. 
There's many that might walk away. But if you're willing to go on this journey to be one, I guarantee you that your 2019 will be like no other year in your entire life because it's an adventure to follow Jesus. And let me tell you something. You need to be one before you really could make one. Because you really can't make one if you don't, if you're not one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in that, or you might be trying to make something that's truly not a disciple. Maybe you're in the making um, of fans of Jesus, more believers of Jesus. But God wants us to be disciples. So why don't we thank God for the word of the year? Yeah, I just want to make sure you're not, I want to make sure you're not sleeping on me. No little, especially if I gave you a chicken nugget. If you're sleeping on me and I gave you chicken nuggets, you're in trouble. All right, I'm going to tell you, before, I'm going to, before I tell you four marks of what a disciple is and what it looks like, because it's sometimes hard to try to figure out what is truly a disciple. I'm going to tell you eight things that doesn't make you a disciple, okay? So just in case. The eight things. Now, the first one is this. Just because you go to church, there's a picture here behind us. Right there. It's coming up, I think, um, any second. Aquí una, numero uno. Okay, thank you. Look, that's Christ Fellowship. That's a picture of all of us here in service. Just because you come here on Sunday morning does not make you a disciple. Doesn't. You might be a disciple, you might be a fan, you might be a believer, you might be a skeptic. You, you know, you might just come because, hey, you had no other place to go and someone invited you. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't make you a disciple just because you're in this house or in this building. Doesn't make you any more special, okay? Number two, does not make you a disciple just because you have the fish symbol in the back of your car right there. I know some of you have it. I prefer not to have it in case I cut someone off. I don't want them to, uh, I don't want to give Jesus a bad name. But some of you have it. You got a little fish symbol, you know what I mean? And some of you, you know, you have the big one. You might have a bumper sticker, you know what I mean? Like, I love Jesus, whatever it is, you know what I mean? That does not make you a disciple. You can have all those fish symbols you want. You could decorate your whole car, your house, your bathroom, the tiles in your living room, whatever. I don't think you have tiles in your living room, but you know what I mean. All right, the third one does not make you a disciple. You own a Bible. Just because you have a Bible doesn't make you a disciple. Just because you read the Bible doesn't make you a disciple. And some of you might have even three Bibles. You have one for every room. You know what I mean? And some of you have the King James Version. Whew extra holy you know what I mean like extra holy bible let me tell you something it doesn't make you a disciple it doesn't make you a disciple number four involved in a ministry this picture here is not anyone here in our church oh, no not that number four <laughs> no <laughs> all right all right now now all right I guess they're a little out of order. We'll just go with this. We'll go with this and then go back and stuff afterwards, okay? Here, just because you go to Christian concerts, okay? I don't care if it's Bethel. I don't care if it's Hillsong. I don't even care if it's Lauren Daigle. You know what I mean? Like, whoever it is, just because you go to Christian concerts, you make a lot of noise, you bounce around and you jump around like you're part of House of Pain back in the day. You know what I mean? Doesn't make you a disciple. All right, next picture. Okay. Just because you're part of a ministry doesn't make you a disciple. Here's a picture of like worship. It could be worship, it could be shepherds feeding the needy, it could be the bridge, it could be kids' church. All of that does not make you a disciple. You're pretty much volunteering, you're using your gifts and talents for God, but doesn't make you a disciple. All right, next picture. 
Just because you listen to Star 99.1 doesn't make you a disciple. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. You love Star 91. And I know some of you are sitting there be like, you know what, Pastor Carlos? That's not me because I listen to K-Love. I don't like Star 99.1. K-Love is better. I don't care if it's K-Love, Star 91.1. You can have it 24-7. Even while you're sleeping, you can have it in the background. It does not make you a disciple. Okay? Even if you own... The, some of you don't have no idea who this is. The ultimate DVD series of Carmen. How many of you have no idea who this guy is? Okay. Okay. Carmen. How many of you know very well who Carmen is? How many of you have the ultimate DVD set? The three DVD set, including the new patriotic classic video, The Flag. <laughs> Carmen was like Bethel, Hillsong, Kim Walker, Lauren Daigle put together into one human being during an era, okay? Everybody loved Carmen back then. Even if you still own the cassettes and you haven't thrown them out because you think they're holy, you know, that does not make you a disciple. Pastor Harold has the entire series of of Carmen. And... (laughs) Let's hear it for Pastor Harold right there. Okay, now for the very last thing that does not make you a disciple, I have to, I had to share this. I had to share this. The last thing, if you've ever shared anything like this on your Facebook, sadly, 97% of people will not share this. Share if you love Jesus. He already saw you read it. Some of you know exactly what this is. If you don't know, thank you, Jesus, that you don't. Just because you share those pictures and that guilt trip, he already saw you read it. (laughs) You want to be part of the 3% that shares it. Just because you share it doesn't make you a disciple, doesn't make you any closer to Jesus. If anything, it might make you a little weird to some of your friends if you share those things. So I just want to let you know. But those are eight things that doesn't make you a disciple. But I'm going to tell you four things that does, okay? We're going to transition. Number one is being a dedicated learner, okay? Dedicated learner. You could write this down. In the back of your bulletin, you have some space. A dedicated learner. Each of the disciples were following the rabbi to learn from the rabbi, okay? A disciple, the word itself means learner. It means pupil. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just wanting to learn from the rabbi. So if you were not dedicated learners, wanting to read God's word every day, not because we have to, like, out of obligation. It's because we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be what, we want to do what God wants us to do. You know, it's like we want to read his word every day. We want to be part of community groups, fellowship group. We want to be part of the disciples' path. We've created a path to help you be a disciple, to help you learn and go in that journey. If we meet here starting Sunday mornings, uh, like at nine in the morning is the class. You meet for an hour, but you'll grow in foundational things about your walk. You know, it's so important. We also have in our church intentional leaders. We have specific leaders that could help you grow as, as a disciple in that journey as well. There's many things in our church that are in place to help you grow in your walk with God. But you know what happens? So many times on Sunday morning is when we get the crowd. But when it comes to being a dedicated learner, sometimes that crowd gets little. And it's okay that it gets little. I just don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. So for all of us, we need to decide. In 2019... Are we going to be a dedicated learner that we're walking behind our rabbi Jesus so closely that his dust is covering us 
And we're learning and growing from him. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. We need to grow. We need to grow in our spiritual walk. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God. And it continues. The second mark is absolute obedience. Absolute obedience. This isn't selective obedience. This is a mark of a disciple. It's absolute obedience. It's not selective. When you become a disciple of Jesus, you don't pick and choose what you're going to do with Jesus. It's like, oh, I'll follow you when it comes to this teaching. No, I'll follow you when it comes to this, but not this because I'm not ready. I don't want to do that, you know, this and that. No, it's absolute obedience. Remember how I told you back in Jesus' day, the disciples would follow the rabbis. And it would be 150% submission to the authority of the rabbi. 150% submission to them. In the same way, it's absolute obedience to follow Jesus. Look at your own walk today. Is it absolute obedience or is it selective? Or is it only if you get something from him? All of a sudden, you might walk towards him. But what if the only thing he has to offer is himself? Just Jesus. Is he enough for you? In John chapter 14, verse 21, it says this. Jesus says, for whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So right there, Jesus saying, if you want to show Jesus you love him in 2019, you keep his commandments. You follow absolute obedience towards him. And what I love in that passage too, it says, and show myself to him. Jesus will show himself to you in your life. Sometimes we're searching for Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Jesus is there waiting for us to follow him. Jesus is there just waiting for us to walk behind him. And as we walk behind him in the journey, then he's going to reveal himself. We can't have it both ways. We can't do whatever we want, live however we want, you know, in our lives and expect God just to give us everything of his. It doesn't work that way. You know, we don't come up with these rules. You know, God is God. We're his creation. You know what I mean? We have to submit to his authority. Imagine you, even in a, pretty much in our own world here, here, imagine you go up to your boss tomorrow. Try this. See how well it goes for you. You know, tomorrow you go up to your boss and be like, you know what? I see all these expectations and rules and things that you have for me, but I'm only going to decide to do number one, three, and seven. I'm not going to do the rest. I just, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not ready. I don't like that thing. I have to wear that, you know, like that's the uniform. I'm not going to do that. See how well that goes to you from a human standpoint. How well would that go for you? Now think about God. He's king, Okay. He's not our friends only. You know what I mean? Like he, he's king. And when he speaks, we obey. No matter what he says. Absolute obedience. Number three, the third mark is spiritual fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Here, if you're true disciples, you will see these fruits being manifested through your life. You can't say that you're a disciple of Jesus, but you hate your brother and you hate your sister and you hate your family and you hate so many people. Here, if you're a true disciple following in his ways, you're allowing God to transform your heart from the inside out. And we're all on this journey we don't all make it there, like, you know, like overnight or anything like that. We'll make it there when we get to heaven. You know what I mean? But while we're on this earth until our last breath, we're on this journey where God is constantly transforming our hearts 
But the only question is, only if we allow him to. Do you allow him to? And the last mark of, of if you're a disciple is makes disciples. Makes disciples. If you're truly a disciple and you're on that journey and you know that you are his disciple, your mission should be to make disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Another mark of a true disciple, someone that makes disciples. So as we close our service today, I wonder how many of us want to be a true disciple of Jesus. What's amazing is that Jesus calls us to be his disciple. But remember, he called people that didn't make it back then, didn't make the cut. So you might be sitting here and be like, you know what? I can't be a disciple because of this or because of this. Jesus looks beyond that. Jesus sees what he could do in your life, not what you see that's preventing you to be able to become what he wants you to be. So for each of us, he's calling us to be a disciple. And to start off this new year in 2019, and if you choose to be a disciple, I want you to even open your bulletins real quick, and you'll see three passages there, and it says the Shema. You might see the Shema. Does everyone see it? If you have it, in a second, you'll have the opportunity to read it, especially the first part. But I want you to realize what this is. This is the greatest prayer that the Jews would pray and even pray now. Here, this is a prayer that Jesus would pray himself every evening and every morning. All the Jews would pray this prayer. And this prayer is something that was embedded in the community, embedded in their time period when they were being called to be disciples. Not only did they memorize scripture, this prayer, they would do it by memory every evening and every morning as their declaration that they're going to follow God. And I thought, as we kick off this new year, how amazing it would be to bring a prayer that the disciples in Jesus' day would pray when they were called to follow the rabbi. And even, even if they weren't called, all the Jews would pray this prayer. That we would pray this prayer today within our own hearts. So if you're here today, and you want to follow Jesus as a true disciple, I'm going to ask you to stand wherever you are. To stand where you are. In 2019, you realize, it's like, you know what? You're tired of playing games. You're tired of just being a fan of Jesus. You're tired of being just a believer of Jesus. You're tired of just following Jesus when, when there's things I could get from Jesus. But no, I want to be like a first century disciple. And hear this prayer, the Shema, the first century disciples would pray this prayer every evening and morning. Because they would be committing to God. And as you have the paper in your hands, I want you to read it yourself. And even now, we're just going to do the Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. That's what I want you to read, the first part of it. In your own heart, I want you to read it.
Father God, we're gathered here desiring to be true disciples, God. And God, we surrender everything to you. And as we pray, God, this ancient prayer, this prayer that Jesus himself prayed, this prayer that the disciples would pray as well, this prayer that the Jews would pray, I pray that you would embed it within our own hearts. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse, starting at verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on, our, on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, starting at verse 13, it says this. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce. And you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to um, give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. And lastly, Numbers 15, verse 37 to 41. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all of my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Father God, as we pray this prayer, God, we realize that certain things in that prayer might not directly relate to us, but the principles that are there still do, God. You want us to obey you fully, God. You want us to follow you with all of our heart, mind, and soul. You want us to give you our entire lives and to impress this truth to everyone that's around us. You want us to surround our lives with things that remind us of who you are so that we won't forget that this wouldn't be false promises or false commitments or artificial or diluted commitments that were given to you, but God, that we would surround ourselves with things that would remind us of you, God. God, the disciples would pray this every evening and every morning because they wanted to put you first. God, I pray that each of us, as we choose to be a true disciple of you, God, 
would decide, Lord God, to truly be a committed, devoted learner, Lord God, that we will learn from your word, that we will learn from you, Lord God, that we would have absolute obedience, Lord God, that we would follow you, Lord God, wherever you might lead us in our lives, Lord God, and that truly, God, that we would also make disciples wherever we go, Lord God, that we wouldn't forget, Lord God, that you've called us to change this world. God, we give you everything. We give you our hearts. We give you our mind, our soul. We give you 2018. But more importantly, even now, we give you 2019. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.